This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, May 13th, 2018. We love because he loves. Well, good morning, Connection Church. I'd like to also say good morning to those who are joining us online. We're so glad that you're here. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made. It's no accident that any one of us are here or listening. God, you have plans for each one of us. And so settle us in, open our hearts, remove any distractions so that we can tune in to you. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered and said, amen. 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 So today we are looking in the book of John, the Gospel of John. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, we talked last week about God equals love, and our scripture was from 1 John chapter 4. Same John, just different uh, causes, different reasons to write the book. Now, what we see here in this particular scripture that we'll be using, which is John chapter 10, is that Jesus uses the analogy of a shepherd to describe himself a shepherd. A shepherd enters the sheep gate. A sheep gate, you know, is like a fence or rocks around to keep the sheep in. The shepherd enters the sheep gate by the gate, unlike the thief or bandit who come in a different way. And you know what they want to do. They want to steal the sheep. The sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. He calls them by name. Check this out, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. And this is what Christ tells us. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. And so let's take a look at this a little bit closer. The sheep follow the shepherd because they know his voice. Absolutely. They will run away from a stranger because they don't know the stranger's voice. They don't recognize it. Now, we're, we're taught that sheep are considered dumb. But actually, I'm not so sure that they are because they know the shepherd's voice. In fact, if you put a bunch of sheep in a pen and they have different shepherds, they can pick out their shepherd's voice. And so here we have Jesus Christ taking the slice of life out to teach because people in that day and time understood about sheep and shepherds. So Jesus is doing some teaching. He's painting a picture of himself and those who follow him. So Jesus, um, he uh, goes on to say that, that he is the gate for the sheep. Those who enter 
through him, through him being the gate, will be saved. And then he says this. He says the thief comes only to steal and and steal, kill, and destroy. We say that around here a lot. We quote that, don't we? Yeah. I, Jesus, came that they may have life and have it what? Come on, say it with some life. Abundantly. Yeah, some life. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. Say the rest with me, please. The, the good, good shepherd, shepherd lays down, down his life for the sheep. sheep. Yeah. Wow. So here we have the thief, the evil one, the bandit, who comes to destroy our lives. And then we have Jesus, the good shepherd, who does the exact opposite. He lays down his life for his sheep. Guess who his sheep are? It's you. It's all of you. You are his sheep. Jesus lays his life down for you. And so the question is this, and this is a question that we get all the time, and it's a question that we ask as well. How do we come to recognize the voice of Jesus? How do we come to recognize when Jesus is speaking, especially when the the thief, the bandit, the evil one, works really hard at distinguishing his voice to sound like Jesus' voice? Good question. Good question. So our focus is John chapter 10, but we just want to back up a little bit to John chapter 8, verse 44. And Jesus is very clear. He shares that this evil one, Satan, is a liar, is a liar and the father of lies. And so we see that Satan will do anything possible to mislead us, to work very hard to help us, to make us believe that it's God, that it's God speaking. God speaking. He wants to scramble things up into this state of confusion. Yeah. Satan loves confusion. It's been like that since the beginning, right there in the garden. If you remember, God told Adam, it's before Eve, God told Adam that he could eat from any tree in the garden. Remember that? Any tree in the garden, except one. And he put it right there in the middle so he couldn't miss it. So he can say, ah, I forgot. Lord, I couldn't say it. It's right there in the middle, Adam. It's right there. But then Satan, notice, uh, part of the confusion, he doesn't come to the one God spoke to, but to the one who must have gotten this information secondhand. He goes, and he talks to Eve. And notice what he says. Remember, God said, you cannot eat of the one tree. And notice what Satan says. He said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You see how he twists it. He twists God's words to try to bring confusion twists God's words. He purposely misquotes in order to throw things in disarray. And he's been misquoting and bringing confusion ever since, working overtime trying to get us to listen to his voice rather than to God's. So that's why it is so important for us to learn to discern to be able to hear what God is telling us, to try to figure it out rather than what the evil one wants us to hear, who, by the way, is an impersonator, an impersonator of the good shepherd. And so it is so important for us 
to get the tools that we need to discern the voice. Now, here's the thing about sheep. Uh, they don't instantaneously recognize the voice of the shepherd. In fact, the guy between services came up and talked to me. He said, you know, in, in these sheep herding countries, not commercial sheep business, but sheep herding country where you have shepherds, they bring the sheep in every day and run their hands. I'm sure what they're doing is they're kind of picking the burrs and stuff, and they're, they run their hands over them, and they talk to them. And the sheep bring in their little ones with them. So from very early on, they're hearing that voice basically intimately almost, you know, one-on-one -on -one right there every single day. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. And so it doesn't just come a, a, about instantaneously. It's a lot, the shepherd talking to that sheep a lot, close, one-on-one. -on -one. <coughs> the sheep gets to hear that voice and gets to hear that compared to the other voices around. Our granddaughter, Alex, this is only the third week in a row that we've talked about her. Um, she's in AI hospital because of a fever, hopefully coming home today. That's the plan anyway. But it was interesting because when the nurses held her, they didn't do anything wrong, but she was crying. But then when her mother held her and talked to her, guess what happened? Calm down. I got to be there yesterday when our son came in, and he figured he didn't just talk, he sings, and he's dancing around with her. Well, of course she's smiling, but because he's acting so goofy. But, but um, you know, she recognizes the voice of her parents. Well, here's a reason. They haven't been just talking to her for two weeks. How long have they been talking to her, Karen? Ever since they knew that she was in the womb, Turner's been reading scripture to her every night. And so... They, I mean, I couldn't believe it. Here he holds her, and she's kind of, eh, eh, eh. And then he starts, Daddy and Alex, da, da, da. I mean, he's singing. You can just imagine if you know Turner. And she's like, looking like, ah. Oh. But she recognized his voice. It was absolutely incredible. And that's because she knows his voice. It's familiar. It's, it's soothing to her, you know? And that's true for us as well. How do we learn to discern the voice of Jesus in the midst of the noise we hear, in the midst of Satan's uh, impersonations? Well, we'd like to give you some tools, and this is not all exhaustive, but here's just some suggestions about how you can discern the voice of Jesus. First, always prayer. Always, always, always prayer. We need to position ourselves to be able to hear in this crazy world of lots of bombarding of noise. We need to stop the noise, shut the noise so that we can hear what God is trying to say to us. And I know many of you have a, a, a crazy, crazy schedule, but we're all in the car at some point and possibly even alone. Just turn off the radio and just spend time with the Lord, if that is, if that's your window of time. God's voice, Jesus's voice might not be audible, but Jesus does speak to us in many ways. Through a, a nudge, through other people, through this gut feeling that's the Holy Spirit um, who convicts and, and directs us. Lots and lots of different ways Jesus communicates to us through prayer. But 
How can we be sure? How can we be sure that it's Jesus speaking? One of the best ways to test if it's Jesus is to test it against Scripture. Test it against Scripture. Is what I'm hearing in unison with what I'm reading in the Bible? If what I'm hearing, if what my guts tell me, if it's contrary to what I'm hearing in the Bible, something's wrong. God doesn't bring confusion. <clears throat> That's not what God's about. If it's from God, it's going to align. It's going to line up. And if it's from Satan, Satan, as we saw in the garden, likes to confuse. And so Satan's going to bring us different from what we read because Scripture is God's perfect word. Why would Satan want to line us up with that? Right? Amen? Amen. The thing about it is now, when I say that, if it's from God alone, it doesn't mean God doesn't change God's mind sometimes. It doesn't mean God doesn't do things differently sometimes. We read in Scripture where he, he made some changes. Here, like Abraham, uh, yeah, Abraham talked to him and said, how about this? Okay, how about this? Okay, he kind of negotiated with God. God does listen. God does, but God doesn't change who God is. God might change the way he's going to do it, but God cannot change God's DNA, God's nature. And as we looked last week in 1 John 4, God's nature is what? Love. God is love. love. And so if what we're getting is something that calls us to be unloving, could that possibly come from God? That doesn't make sense, does it? No. God's not going to call us to be unloving because that's contrary to God's nature. And so if you're feeling a call to do something very unloving in nature, you go, hello, that's not coming from the Holy One. An unloving call is going to be Satan's call, and that's a call we shouldn't answer. So the founder of the Methodist Church, his name was John Wesley, and he always turned to the Bible always turned to the Bible as his primary resource to discern God's Word. He wrote many, many sermons that are just chock full of really, really good stuff, and the Bible is his primary resource. But along with that, he also suggested to take a look at what tradition tells us, to take a look at what reason tells us, to take a look at what experience tells us. There's a theologian named Albert Atler, and he put this all together, and he named it the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. So we want to welcome you to Seminary 101 right here at Connection, because actually, this is good stuff, and it helps us. It's just one way, but it might help you discern the voice when you hear it. Is it God? Is it Jesus? Or is it the evil one? So we always turn to prayer. And through prayer, prayerfully turn to Scripture, first and foremost, to discern the voice of the shepherd. But we can also look to tradition and reason and experience to kind of support um, what we find in the Scripture and in our prayers. And when we talk about tradition, we're not talking about traditional things like the tradition that the best church suppers are always found at the Methodist church, right? Or the tradition that 
worship must take place at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Now, those are traditions, but those aren't the traditions we're talking about here. Traditions we're talking about here have to do with our Christian heritage, the wisdom from the, the church fathers and mothers from the past that provide us guidance for today. Just as Jesus himself found value in, in, in his rich Jewish heritage from the Passover meal, which was the basis of the Last Supper with his disciples, to him in the temple in the, in the midst of worship reading the scriptures, we too look to the traditions of the faith, things like the Apostles' Creed, that, that kind of succinct uh, uh, belief uh, where we collectively talk about what we believe. We used it last week when we baptize. You know, it's an opportunity for us as the collective body of Christ to share together what we believe, what we find to be true. Things like the Lord's Prayer, which we find in Scripture, but we take it out of Scripture, and we collectively sometimes share that. We, we often do it here at funerals and weddings and occasionally here in the worship service. Uh, those rich and valuable offerings from those who have gone before that we can look to for guidance as to what is true and from God. So Scripture's primary but we can also take a look at tradition. Another thing to take a look at is reason. Now, God did not give us a brain to not use it. You see, God gave us a brain to be able to think through, to interpret, to take apart, to process, to ask questions. Asking questions is a good thing. It's such a good thing to kind of peel down the onion skin. God gave us a a brain to say, well, does this make sense in terms of the God I know from Scripture and tradition? Mm. And finally, we talk about experience. Our focus on the experience, not just any experience, but our experience with God. Our experience with God's <clears throat> grace, God's forgiveness, God's saving power. You know, is, is what I'm feeling, is what I'm reading in Scripture... Does, that, does, does it connect with what I've experienced of God? Does, does it line up? Is it, again, making sense with what I know from what God has visited on me uh, with the Holy One from, from the time we were maybe not that close to when we were very, very close? Does it, does it line up? And so I'd like to give you a real-life example using uh, these four things in my life. I shared a couple weeks ago when we were in the healthcare business, what business are we in the healthcare, that I traded in my stethoscope for uh, being a pastor. And I want to fast forward to kind of the, the end of that. So when I was ordained, or I was getting ready for my ordination, that was a very, very long process. You know, you have to have a, a college, a four-year college degree, and then you are assigned to a church, and there's lots and lots of papers, and you sit in front of like 40 people uh, two different times, and you answer mega amounts of questions, and you write these things, and uh, go to seminary and get a master's of divinity. And so here I'm all the way at the very end, and it's the moment of ordination, and I'm sitting in a huge auditorium, and there's, you know, hundreds of people there. And 
I hope what I say next, you're like going to say, she is so weird, and I'm never going to come back to this church. But this is the truth. I am weird. But anyway, this is what I heard in my head, and this is my truth. I heard a voice in my head say, so Carrie, why don't you get up and go to the bathroom, and you can leave this whole thing and go back to being a nurse. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I cannot believe that I am under attack by this voice that is that I knew as Satan but it was a momentary temptation and so using this this is how I could work through that moment so in scripture I was familiar with Matthew 4 and Luke 1 and um, Luke 4 and John 21 that shared with me, which I said, I heard God say, you know, follow me, drop your net. That's what he said to the fishermen, but he's saying, Carrie, drop your agenda and follow me and also feed my sheep. So that's grounded in scripture, primary. Next of all, tradition. In the Bible, I got to know other women like Deborah and Miriam, and oh gosh, there's so many awesome ones. How about Mary, who was at Jesus's tomb, and Jesus appeared to her first, and she gave the first sermon. Hello, thank you for that. Uh, you know, she was the first preacher, yay. So anyway, um, the Bible gave me some great role models and then there are people in our faith, in the tradition of faith, like Phoebe Palmer, the way to holiness. I love her stuff. And she was 19th century. Or how about Gerana Lee? She was the first African-American female pastor in, in the AME church. That was the 20th century. And how about the leaders of today, the contemporary speakers, like Christine Kane and, and Beth Moore and Priscilla Shire. Awesome, awesome. So they... They speak and spoke to me. Next of all reason, why would God bring me through all this and then say, I want you to get up and leave? That just didn't even make sense. So, you know, in my brain, it's like, okay, that was the easy part. Next was experience. So the experience that I had with God, I was serving a church. I was, you know, one of the pastors. I had opportunities to preach, opportunities to teach, opportunities to counsel and I would receive it's kind of hard for me to talk about this but receive affirmation in those ways that God used me and so I couldn't deny that so I knew that I was on the path that God wanted me to be on not necessarily me but that God wanted me to be on so what was that voice yeah, it was Satan. Satan did not want me to move forward. Um, and, of course, the rest is history because my name was called. I ran up. My, my, the pastor who was with me said, Carrie, you ran up on that stage. I'm like, you're daggone right I ran up on that stage. You know, I had that, you know, voice in my head. I'm like, oh, this is weird. But anyway, if I hadn't done that, guess what? We wouldn't be here today. So God speaks to us but it's really important to be able to discern the voice and this is just one way that we're suggesting that you might be able to do that mm. so what happened to carrie 
on ordination day isn't unusual. Satan often speaks to us. Usually not at the magna, uh, magnitude of an ordination day, though. And a voice. <laughs> and a voice. Of course, we, we should almost expect that, though. Because that's a point where we would expect him to not want us. You know, that's a real step into the kingdom. And we could expect Satan to not want us to make a major step. But what we really got to be careful of are those much more subtle times, those, those times that are much less spectacular in our lives, those day-to-day little talkings into our life by Satan. Always, always, always trying to get us to choose other than God. Always. Trying to get us to focus on ourselves rather than God or those around us. (laughs) Always trying to get us in that all-about-me attitude. Am I making sense here? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Trying to get us, you know, in the, uh, you know, the old pity party thing. What about me? What about me? Loves to whisper this. You deserve it. You know those times where you're thinking about spending some money on yourself and, you know, you really know deep down you probably shouldn't. It should be better spent on maybe the family, the wife, or the spouse, kids, or whatever. But you just... You're just tired of all that, and you want it to be about you. And that little voice says, you deserve it. Go ahead. Ever had that voice? I have. How about, uh, how about things aren't going quite like they, you'd hoped with your spouse? And, and you're starting to pay attention to somebody else. And that little voice says, you deserve it. You should have that attention. You deserve it. That's the kind of thing Satan does. Speaks that into our life. Because he wants to pull us away from God. Wants to pull us away from those around us. Wants to especially pull us away from our spouse, from our children, from our family. Satan loves doing that. And when Satan speaks, we might not hear an audible. It might not be like Harry's day. Hey, Carrie. We might not hear it, you know, quite that audibly. But you can guarantee Satan is going to speak to us, especially when we're in a position to do something great for God. Yeah, especially when God's calling us to do something God-sized. You can guarantee Satan is going to be whispering into our lives so that we start questioning ourselves, start second-guessing, Start wondering, how in the world can I do that? How could little old me do something big like that? So that we forget that we believe in the God where all things are possible. And we start questioning, how could I do that? Well, if we have a God where all things are possible, that tells you right there how we can do it, doesn't it? And yet Satan whispers in, how's that possible? You can't do it. And that voice might not be audible, but it sure gets our attention, doesn't it? It sure gets our attention. And then we've always then got to be ready to ask ourselves, whose voice is that? Whose voice is getting my attention? Whose voice am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to the voice of the shepherd? 
I'm going to listen to the voice of the thief, the bandit. The voice of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The voice of the one whose only purpose is to steal, say it with me, and kill and destroy. Steal my joy, kill my dreams, destroy my life. The best way to discern is always to prayerfully go to Scripture, pray and go to Scripture, and then to consider what's the tradition tell me, what does reason tell me, and what has my experience with God been. And so that might be helpful in, in, for you, learning to discern the voice. We've got to always question the voice. We've really got to question that, is it the voice of the shepherd or the thief? Because we just can't trust sometimes what goes on. We just can't. We must carefully weigh and examine everything. And primarily, we've got to know what God says so that we can measure everything against what God says. If you don't read the scripture and you don't know what's in here, then truly, we're lost. We don't know how to measure. It's just not a feeling. It's measured against what God says. And so, we challenge you to read the word of God and to learn to practice how to discern his voice. We do that through prayer, and we've given you some other, other ways to kind of put it together. We've got to be cautious because God has great plans for each one of us, but the evil one wants to scramble that. We know in the book of Jeremiah, and this is a great scripture to use on Graduate Sunday, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for hope and a future. So God has plans for each one of you, no matter how young or old you are. God's plans don't stop when we're older, when, we're, when we've got, we think we've got it all worked out. It doesn't stop until we're taking our last breath, and then God's got awesome plans for us as we sit at his feet. And so we must learn to discern so that the plans we're listening to are the plans of the good shepherd. That's the gospel. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, thank you for John chapter 10, for this that we learn. Uh, you teach us about you're the shepherd and we need to hear your voice. And thank you for ways that we can can do that. God, thank you for being the same today and yesterday and tomorrow, how your character never changes, but how you can speak into our lives in so many ways. God, help us proclaim in Christ alone is where we stand. You are our rock and our salvation, and we just want to hear your voice so that you can order our steps. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. 
For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.